Hey guys, welcome to episode 70 with Laura Keitlinger. As you probably well know by now, those of you who listen to the podcast, if you've never listened before and this is your first podcast, listen to the JV Club. You certainly don't know what I'm about to say. Uh, I'm pre-recording this intro. I'm recording it in June because I will be in Vancouver and Toronto shooting a couple of guest stars on different television shows. Um, But I will say quickly, although I don't have any shout outs for this episode because I've now cycled through all the shout outs that I currently have, um, and I'm going to get caught up on those when I get back from Canada... um, I, when I when this comes out on Thursday the 18th, I will be heading to Comic-Con in San Diego for a Cora panel. So any uh, of you guys who are listening to this and are going to be at the convention, I hope I get a chance to say hello in person. Very excited about that. And then the following week, I will be at Florida's MetroCon. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm excited about that because I'm uh, dragging Steve Agee along with me as my travel buddy. And uh, Phil Lamar is going to be there. For those of you who know who Phil Lamar is, I'm a huge fan and friend of his. So um, looking forward to that. Uh, So looking really forward to both of those conventions, other than that, I feel I will have not been at home in my bed much of the month of July whatsoever. So what can I say? Papa was a rolling stone. Um, So that's stuff that's coming up. I look forward to catching up on my shout outs. As always, I look forward to hearing from you guys. I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye now. Now entering Nerdist.com. that something's obnoxious like you know you're an obnoxious podcaster when you can't have a normal conversation with a person that you've invited over because you're like hold on even this needs to be heard by tens of dozens of people <laughs> that's for that yeah uh, that's good. but this is what we were just hmm. saying is laura just asked me if i am a tidy person i said that i am and that i thought that i inherited it from my parents you then invited me to come across the street because we've discovered that we're across the street neighbors mm-hmm. which is a whole other story we could or could not get into and you said that you're messy. And the first thought I had was, I'll tell you, you're a genius and you're creative and you actually funnel your energy into your work and like your life. And I feel like one of the things I do is tidy so that I don't have to write or do things to my home because I used to be an in interior design. And that's something that feels very safe and comfortable to me. And I think that sometimes when I should be like being an artist, instead I'm quote unquote being an artist by being like, maybe I should paint in here. So that's my excuse for being so neat. Well, thank you. And um, I don't know. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm all that creative. I think I might, or I mean, and definitely not a genius. I what I do is, I mean, I do the same thing. I'll clean in spurts, but I will give myself the excuse of, well, I have to finish this thing, right. and then just let everything just fall to shit. Oh, that's so it's great. just a mess. I'm just not like that. I'm the sort of messy bed, messy head person. I remember Greg Barrett said that to me once. Mm-hmm. Um, where if I if I don't have things sort of in order, then I feel I can't work because I'm obsessing compulsively mm. over like, oh, I, ew, I forgot to like unload the dishwasher. I should probably do that. But again, I think that that's my mental block that's allowing me to put off 
the thing that's due or the thing that I should be working on. No, I wish I had a little bit of that. We need, we each need a little bit of each other. Pinch I, of this, pinch of that. This is a freaky Friday style. If only we were style. close. Um, I, uh, if only we were close by and could, <laughs> impossible, I, impossibly far away. I know. Um, oh, I don't even know what I was, oh, I know, um, my, uh, ex-boyfriend and his parents came over and his mom actually stood in my office and then like put her, her back against the wall and was kind of shaking her head and said, Laura, how can you live like this? Really? Wait, <laughs> part like, of the reason that you end a relationship is that you don't have to listen to your in-laws slash right, you know, boyfriend's right. parents. Oh, say but I loved like his parents. I yeah. loved his parents so much. It was crazy. I actually, his, as we were breaking up, his parents were going to move in because they're far away. They could live in Maine. Yeah. Uh, and they were maybe just going to stay for a while. Um, but then it turned out that, um, his mom snored and his dad didn't wait for me to come. <laughs> um, I, oh, it's so awful. It's gross. No, no. But they, uh, my friend kept saying, and I do that, I think, with a lot of boyfriends. I always get along great with their parents. Me and I too. don't know why. I do too. Why? Because we, we're, we're trying to please? I don't know. That's a really good question. Because I do feel, well, I don't know about for you, but part of it for me is definitely that, I'm, well, I'm an only child. Are me you? too. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with the Siri then. Do you live in my neighborhood? No, that's we know that we've established that those <laughs> things minute. don't have anything to do with each mm-hmm. other. Um, no, but I feel like I was around adults a lot as a child, mm-hmm. and my dad was the kind of dad. I mean, I had babysitters and stuff, but he just pulled me into social situations with his friends and mm-hmm. would take me to parties that he went to, and I would sort of hang out and then sleep in like someone's spare bedroom until my dad was ready to leave, and I felt more comfortable with adults mm-hmm. in a lot of ways than I did around kids my own age. Right. I think when I was younger. Because I was just wondering if that's true for you. Oh, I guess. Because then it's like always people older than us, even as we get older, mm-hmm. we still feel this like draw towards people who are like our parents' age or people that we're used to in some way. Yeah, I oh, definitely. I think, um, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to be a stand-up was I think I really tried to make my mom's friends laugh when she'd take me to you know a bar with her uh, my because yeah. my my dad wasn't around it's just okay. my mom and where is this by the way since we're already lodging in. in upstate new york okay near, uh uh we live pretty close to buffalo in jamestown okay yeah and um so but yeah i totally agree that's a great theory i never even thought of that that that's what i'm still doing i actually thought maybe it's just because i'm still looking for good parents well i think there's there's that too but i feel like I have pretty, I mean, I had pretty, I did a terrible relationship with my mom when I was a teen, but I had a good relationship with my dad, but I don't, so I don't know that it's as much like trying to sort of get more love or, you know, Mm -hmm. but I, I do feel like, I don't know, maybe part of it for me was that like, I sort of, even as a teen was able to have a slight bit more perspective on what I was putting my parents through than Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends were. Oh, right. I think I had like, there were two of me in a sense, like. Uh You know, this is like the shitty me who's like bringing people over to stay at his house when he's out of town and God knows what they're doing to his personal possessions. How rude Mm -hmm. and not caring. And then there's like the outside me that's like, oh, my poor dad, you know, listen, I'm still doing this, but clearly this is not respectful. And like, he's just (laughs) trying to do the best he can. And maybe I have sympathy for, you know, sort of the parental role in that way. But neither one of us has kids, which is interesting Mm -hmm. to be an only child, to be from a split home, 
to like people's parents and sort of our elders, but to have made the choice so far not to have kids. Right. Interesting. I mean, what's that about? I'm just getting right into I it. Know. A lot of parallels. You may have kids, right? You th- you think you might? I definitely. I don't know. I mean, not going to. I don't. I just don't know. I. It's never been a plan. I've mm-hmm. never had the plan to have children. I've always been kind of ambiguous. I guess I've been children like child agnostic. Mm-hmm. Like I'm child agnostic. Like, well, maybe, maybe, right. maybe they're a thing that I want in my life. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I, I have. Uh, animals and i can't i don't know i can't i feel like that takes care of the the nurturing aspect but i um yeah i actually had this bit in my act that i knew i wouldn't have kids because i'm too selfish and weak and too interesting (laughs) Um, but i just it's funny because i do find so many of my friends will launch in like they're talking to another parent which is fine because i'm still you know i'm not a, a complete witch i you know i'm interested in their kids but, well, and it reminds you why you didn't have any. Right, it's true. Terrible. <laughs> and I'm just, I know, I always feel a little like, oh, thank God. But, you know, a lot of just what they have to go through is, well, what school and, you know, and, and yeah. I, you know, it's almost like, I mean, this friend of mine who has a daughter uh, who's five, they just like, well, it's going to be expensive to go here, then we can't decide to do that. And I, I thought, oh my, you know, it's just outrageous to think about that now. It's it not is. even college, you know. And it is. That's, and, I, I yeah. feel exactly the same way. And I do sort of, I mean, I guess, you know, again, because I haven't totally ruled it out, but I'm also not in a position where it's, where I'm doing anything to direct a priority in that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm only getting older. Um, it feels like, it is that sort of age-old cliche of, you know, people who do it, of course they love it. And of course they, you know, they say it's the best thing I've ever done. And mm-hmm. I totally respect that. And I don't disbelieve it. Like, I don't think it's a lie you tell yourself if you have children that that's true. Right. I think it's true. But I think there is also the stuff that you sign up for when you sign up for that. As a as a person who is in the midst of that, looking at someone like you, I'm sure there is envy on the other side going, yeah, I wouldn't trade just like you wouldn't trade for mm-hmm. whatever loving, wonderful sort of legacy thing is happening and the joy and the 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 magic of having this, you know, little child that you're responsible for. Um but I, I don't I when I think I think I feel like I'm so pragmatic about the stressful stuff mm-hmm. that and because I can't experience the magic because you can't have it till you have it. Right. I just don't feel like taking the chance it's terrible oh, yeah well i mean i it, i mean you could always adopt if you yeah. really you know that, i thought i, guess I that definitely think that's experience. what's good i mean yeah. i think that's the most likely like if right. someone said if a child is going to be in your life what is the most likely reason and i would mm-hmm. say it would be because at some point in my 40s i would be like you know what i really want to have this experience mm-hmm. and i would like to adopt right i don't necessarily see myself like needing a pregnancy yeah or anything like that i don't know it's interesting. It's nice to have the choice. Right. It's nice to have the choice. We could be like Jen Kirkman and write a whole book about it. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, I wanted to give you this uh, immediate compliment and shout out that stretches beyond me calling you a genius. I mean, I guess it's only downhill from there, right? I can't say anything nicer oh, than that. So I should have saved that. But um, but I was talking to Tig Nataro about mm-hmm. you the other day, um, and we were talking about 
how much we love you. And I didn't know, I haven't read your book because I'm terrible about reading books. Oh, I am too. But my book is the only one I've read. See, well, that's how it should be. <laughs> um, but she, she was saying like, she was, she just said to me, God, I remember like, like literally like being at the bookstore the day it came out, like Aww. waiting to get her copy. And um, that's to saying a lot because I'm a huge fan of you. I'm also a huge fan of Tiggs Comedy. I'm a fan You're like of two Tiggs of my favorite too. comedians, you, period. Well, male or female. And that's not like, you're two of my favorite women comedians. Like, no, favorite comedians. Um, and uh, and so I, I was asking, I was like, oh, what's Laura's book about? And so she told me the title of it. And I would love for you to tell me. Uh, I mean, I know that I know I remember the title of it has to do with sort of expectations that aren't met but they seem they might be will you mm-hmm. s- tell me a little about the book sure it's called quick shots of false hope which is just a fucking awesome name for a book oh, already. thank you it came out um 10 years ago mm-hmm. and it there it was um a lot of stories just about um you know like kind of small town weird things that happened when i was growing up and 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 my life growing up also and um the thing that killed me about that book was it actually had amazing reviews that nobody expected because people don't usually review paperbacks. Right. And there was a really great review in the New York Times and everybody called me about it. But the book had come out before uh, they could get that printed. Or I mean, it was already oh, in the... Oh, so and I thought, sure you would I want know. that on the jacket. I know. And I thought, damn, because I, I, it didn't sell very well. And I thought... Oh, you know, if it had that on the back, that would have been yeah. heaven. But you know, it's funny, this friend of mine, because it's also a publishing company that no longer exists, it was Avon, and my friend wants to, um, you know, self-publish it yeah. with me, and I think so, I think we will. Just you do should. That. Why not? Throw that little gem, some quote full gem from the from the New York Times on there. That's yeah, awesome. oh my gosh, I wanted that on my pillowcases and my tombstone. <laughs> um because Janet, all I care about is uh, you know a, a kind word, good reviews. That's all that right. matters. <laughs> compliments, just compliments. That's what life's made of. Yeah. It's cobbled together of other people's <laughs> opinions of you yes. that someone has deemed more important than you. Right. Your, their POV is somehow has more value. Right. That's the only way we derive any value. Exactly. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And guys, if you haven't written a book, and I'm sure there's one or two of you who have not completed and published, <laughs> had a book published. I don't know what to say. Might as well give up now. Right. That's the only meaning there is in life. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what, so so tell me a little bit more. Like, can you give me an example of one? Uh, is there is there an anecdote in there? Because this is cool because people can read the book mm-hmm. um, since this podcast kind of uh, rides alongside what you're talking about in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Is there an example of something that happened to you when you were a teenager that's actually in the book that would be an example of like, yep, seemed like this was going to, suddenly it seemed like this and then it was this. Well, not to put you on the spot, but to put you on the spot. Uh, gosh, so many goofy things happened. Well, okay, I um, I was the editor of the newspaper and kind of a. I, I would say I was an overachiever. Okay, in high so school. you. So I might interrupt the story because I'm sure. going to keep. I'm going to. I'm going to plague you with questions all okay. the way through. Okay, so this is upstate New York. Uh-huh. Small, small school, private school, uh-huh. yes. public school. No, not a private, a public school. Public yeah. school. Uh-huh. You're an overachiever. What uh-huh. else did you do besides school newspaper? Um, I actually tried to be on the track team and live so close to the school. My mom and I lived so close that I jogged home during it and ate and tried to catch up. And one of these snots <laughs> uh, told on me. <laughs> and then I had to uh, 
give up my track pants. I know. You had to turn in your track pants. I like remember it was a gun who it and was, a shield. too, but I'm not going to say. I, what's that? I said you had to turn in your track pants like it was a gun and a shield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's amazing. It was. It was yeah. at this little, and it was kind of, it wasn't, uh, it was like at a, like a pre, like sort of uh, pep rally thing. I mean, it was sort of like a kind of a, a little bit of a humiliating thing. But it was, you know, anyway. Um, okay, so trying to do track, I love, I feel like, there's a Charlie Brown special like that reminds me of that in which right he thinks he's winning a race but really this is this is not the same story but there but that that totally triggered that for me is that I think there's a Charlie Brown special where he, whatever it is he's a competing in a race and mm-hmm. he is very very fast at the mm-hmm. beginning right and so he he outruns everyone and he's so happy and he has this like wonderful meditative like jog as he's like finally understands what it's like to be the winner. And it turns out he's completely lost. Like Aww, he's gone the wrong way in the race. Sweet. So he truly was winning. Uh-huh. And then he got, he went out the wrong way. And uh-huh. so now he's not even a part of that marathon anymore. Oh, that geez. reminds me of you stopping to go home and eat oh, and then rejoin. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, okay. So you were editor of the school newspaper. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, so I guess the point was I need, I needed a, a baby picture um because they always do that at some point right Mm -hmm. and um so i was looking for photos and um i uh i just found this big box of photos and spilled them out on the floor um and there was a a photo of my mother naked in a dentist chair you didn't see that coming did you janet oh my god let me ask you a quick question about your mom uh any professional ties to the dental industry um no interesting just just dating our uh, and sleeping not a with our model. dentist okay all right. no no Mm-mm. so just naked in a dentist chair mm-hmm. wow right and um anyway in the story i'm just sitting there with a the dog there's nobody to even share this with and so this and i told this friend of mine and it's so my dog's name was chiffon so i always say look at mommy chiffon uh so i shared it with the dog but anyway so my <laughs> this friend and i have a, a joke when anything goes bad look at mommy chiffon oh look um, at mommy chiffon <laughs> ay, ay, ay. so your mom would take you to a bar, like a bar right i mean that's i guess that's a little different than me right. being taken to like i a mean fr- with a girlfriend's girlfriend's friends i mean it party. wasn't like you know yeah and how young were you when she would do that uh oh bro- gosh since i was probably eight i mean it would, wow. some, it would go during the day Okay. I said I'd have lunch with her friends and they'd have a couple drinks. Okay. So then, you know, I, I don't think I was ever out, you know, drinking with them at night or right. anything. But I, I really... It wasn't like an acu- the accused and you were like, uh, the, no pinball machine activity. Oh, like, no, 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 no. Nothing super scary. No, and you know, it's funny because my mom had quite a few boyfriends and I think I, uh, I was so mean to them um, and gave off such a bad vibe that uh, from the start, my mom had this story, but when I was really little, she was always afraid of what I was going to say. And her boss was bald and he was coming over. Um, Did you know, just not next... have a filter even back no, then? No, I yeah. never have. I, 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 I mean, I guess I, any, anything for a laugh or something, so I wouldn't even think. But she said I was four years old and I walked into the room with crackers and she'd already said, don't say anything, he has no hair, don't da 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 And she said the first thing I said to him was, would you like a cracker shiny-headed? Oh! Oh, that's amazing. You were the kids say the darndest things. Also, how about when your parent tells you 
like shines a spotlight on the thing not to do right exactly i'm sure you were like thank you for giving me that material mom i probably wouldn't have even noticed he was bald (laughs) oh my god Hmm. and so why so what was that about that was just like i mean that's kind of i'm sorry that was just what one of the one of the issues i mean one of the stories was about that was about finding that picture yeah oh i was just sorry i wasn't like uh i wasn't trying to redirect i'm so non sequitur that you never have to worry i'll probably derail us more than you could ever dream but um but just in terms of like, like I remember, you know, when my parents split up, I definitely blamed my mom, whether I should have or not. And uh. my dad, I was like great with my mom, great with my dad and horrible with my mom. Like How all old my were you anger, when they split? I was like four uh. and all my anger went to my mom and all the like angelic behavior went to my dad, even though there was no right or wrong person in the divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'm a lot more like my dad and he's like more fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that I was just like, well, this is the fun person to be with and this is the witch. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the one who had to move. So like, you know, I had to go to her apartment sometimes and it was depressing. So I'm sure I took it out on her bless her heart. But with my dad's girlfriends, um, you would think that I would be like really protective of him and kind of not want to share him and be that sort of daddy's little girl or whatever. But I really liked his girlfriends, uh-huh. and so I wasn't ever really, I wasn't ever shitty to any. Yeah. To Did they bring in that you way. presents to try and win him I'm over? Wonder, I'm trying to think. Like I'm wondering. I think he. They were just like nice women who maybe had kids of their own who were like not afraid of the idea of me because they had I'm pretty much everyone my dad went out with also had a child or two ah. but he never remarried he didn't and did your mom ever remarry um, well she wasn't married to my father oh okay um, my mom was married or got married for the first time when she was 50 okay um, and I used to say that, that I was really deprived of not having a stepdad to argue with and say you're not my dad you know in my 30s <laughs> yes listen that didn't stop me i would say that to my actual mom i would just tell her she wasn't my mom how can you imagine how it must feel again oh, look at why know. i don't have kids because probably because i'm like oh i couldn't live through that right you'd like go through like there was a point at which my mom like i'm sure that the only beacon of light and hope she saw as a result of her marriage to my father was her daughter uh-huh. and then to have that thing that you're like well at least i have janet turn uh-huh. on you and be like i hate you you're not my mom how horrible that's dreadful oh, i used I, to run away from home did you oh, ever you run did? away from home uh-huh. no i'm not saying that like i got on an amtrak when i was five and like but i mean i would like pack a bag uh-huh. as, 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 as a, as a seven-year-old uh-huh. and be like i'm out of here and then like three hours later i would have to come home did you ever do anything like that i you know, I think I guess I've always been a sedentary person. I <laughs> I got as far work. as the backyard, <laughs> and I think I think I hid to to see if anybody would come looking for me, yeah. my mom or anybody. And um, I guess my mom at some point, um, I mean, she knew she was calling for me or whatever, and then you know she finally realized I was out, like you know, behind the shed or something, and then <laughs> said, "Okay." I've been punished. Come back in. Let me watch a movie or something. But I feel like I was really mean to my mom, too. And my mom is, um, was a, I think, a real pivotal point where I became really, you know, unruly and, and difficult was when I turned 15, I like shot up like three inches, like from one summer to the next. And yeah. my mom is 5'2". 
And I remember it so clearly as this turning point. We were in the basement doing laundry. And she said, I don't want you going to that party tonight because I know you're going to drink. And then I suddenly realized I was looking down to argue with her. (laughs) Seriously, that does make a difference. I know. And I just said, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. But my mom is funny. She said, when I said that, she said, I wish I would have hit you more when I could have. <laughs> Listen, she's got this kite linger sense of humor. That's for sure. So what did you, so her relationships with men, like, how do you feel like that? Did that inform? And also the fact that you didn't have a dad around. Mm-hmm. Did that inform the choices that you made when you were in high school? Like, what were the guys that you were interested in like? And did you have a succession of boyfriends or did you sort of date around or did you have no one? Like, what did that look like for you over those four years? Um, oh, I had no one. I um, Actually, I, I did Neil Nanda's podcast and we sort of hit on this that I didn't have a boyfriend until... Um, I was about 16 and he was from another school. Okay. Um and that that was great and it made, you know, it gave me so much confidence that I didn't have because I, you know, I was really unpopular in, in my school. And But you school. okay, so you were editor of the paper. Mm-hmm. You tried out for track, we know what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um so what in what oh, way were and like president of drama club because okay. no one else wanted to do it. Okay. So you do did you try to sort of be popular i mean did you as an as an overachiever if we want to use that word since you did but was there a sense of like what can i do to get these people's attention Mm -hmm. or was it like listen i i'm in my own world i'm just gonna do the best i can here keep my head down and like do the stuff i can do that's a great question jenna i did really try hard and i dragged my friend heidi into a the senior class was having a gong show and i dragged her in and i said you know people are going to notice um, because we used to dance like at this, uh, there's a, a teen dance club thing in my ta- hometown. And and I said, you know, once we're on stage dancing, people, are, the guys are going to notice we're hot, whatever. So oh, anyway. I we, already love this. I know. You know where it's going to go. <laughs> so we were, um, you know, trying to do a little bit of our, uh, our, our dance routine with summer, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, somersaults and cartwheels, you know, very simple aerobic or... It's aerobic, what I mean? I mean, I guess. Gymnastics, yeah. I guess. Oh, okay. Just regular okay. gymnastics. Right. And, and um, I was in a crab position, and that w- at which point Heidi was supposed to go over me, but she couldn't because I was too close to the edge of the stage somehow. <laughs> so we sat there. Oh, no. Uh, with the music going um, and uh, got gonged. Oh, you did? But we also went on after this girl who was this... You know, this amazing little uh, gymnast and, you know, she did this whole routine um, to like all by myself or something. I can't remember. (laughs) Gymnastics to all by myself sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was she was kind of chunky, actually, but she was really good. She was flipping all over. And it it didn't even dawn on me then. I thought we were so good. Yeah. That there's no way to follow that. I mean, that is very cinematic, right? It's sort of what happens in films when... Like someone, with the exception of maybe like like Donnie Darko, I remember being really like not loving that movie, but loving elements of that movie and being so impressed by the sort of 
authenticity of the the sparkle motion like music group i don't know or the dance crew i don't know if you remember that part of it i didn't see the movie oh okay well in the in the movie it takes place in the 80s so Uh already you're sort of like in this mode of for if you grew up in the 80s it feels very nostalgic in that way and um in the movie jake gyllenhaal's younger sister he's sort of a misfit his older sister's kind of a Maggie Gyllenhaal type character that she keeps playing, which is like a badass, but like a, you know, an outsider in some way. Mm-hmm. And then, um, maybe I'm mischaracterizing her, but, and then I think his younger sister is like totally popular, like blonde sort of winner kind of kid or mm-hmm. listen, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie. I only saw it once, but they're in this dance group called sparkle motion, which is wow. already genius eighties. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. And they have all of these dance routines like that. And they are in that movie. They represent, the the group that actually achieves what everyone hopes a talent show will achieve, which is like they were already popular. They did a great job. Everyone loved them. And that's how it was. Mm-hmm. And then there are the rest of movies when shit like what you described happens, which mm-hmm. is, of course, they put another person doing a gymnastic style routine in front of you. Of course, she was better at it than you were. Mm-hmm. Of course, something went wrong with yours and you got <laughs> gonged like that, that that feels like that's the common thing that happens, right? right. Is like that's what happens is mm-hmm. you have this idea of what it's going to be and then somehow the deck is already stacked against you mm-hmm. above and beyond what your own performance would be. You're always going to be after like the most brilliant performer in the world right. or somebody who's doing the same song that you were going to do. Oh, sure. But they do it better and then what are you going to do at the last minute? Like cut to all movies. Right. Um. So... So when you got this boyfriend, like, had you had, like, big crushes on guys at your school but just not acted on it? Oh, yeah. I had a, a huge crush on this guy. And here was the craziest thing was um, he actually asked me to dance at the dance club, um, which, God, I, I think it was called the 2001 Club, if you could believe it. And back oh, then, that was the future. the future. And, Genius. Um so I, I like I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, all my prayers had been answered. Um and I hadn't seen anyone slow dance before. I I'd seen them I mean, I've seen people slow dance, but I'd never been asked to slow dance. Yeah. So I started to put my hands like under his arms, like up to go up. <laughs> and then he had to put my arms on top of his shoulders because he was you know, he's a senior and I thought, God, he must think I'm a retard. That's so sweet though. <laughs> I know. Come oh on. God, he was cute. And it was weird because years later I moved to New York and um tried to fix up this little apartment and this friend of mine um, said, oh, my friend's boyfriend is a you know a carpenter and he does design and stuff. And he um, came over and like refinished this little fireplace. And I noticed his last name uh, was Whittemore. Whittemore. And um, I said, wow, you know, I had a crush on this guy and a bad crush in high school. And his last and you know his name is Tom Whittemore. And he said, that's my younger brother. Oh, my <laughs> I was God. like, wow. That's so That's weird. So crazy. Yeah. But and you didn't use that to exploit that fact and uh somehow go back in time but in present day be like I'm going to get that guy. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I asked him all about him, guy. you know, and he yeah. said, well, he's was divorced, he had two kids and well, sounds like he's single I'm and you can have those right stepkids now. you always wanted. Oh my god. Um Okay, and so so the guy that you ended up with 
how long were you guys together? Because for it to be the first relationship. Uh-huh. We were together until we both graduated from high school. Okay. Yeah. So it really lasted, which by the way, feels like forever. Oh, I know. Like we've really gone through a lot together when you finally break up. Well, I know. And this is, you know, I, well, this was the little, he was so damn cute. And this was the story. Uh, um, I actually told this already, but, uh, that he left his class ring on the sink in the bathroom and um, and then I called my friend Heidi first, and I said, "What do you think it means?" He just forgot his ring, right? Oh, and then my the friend old, said, "What do you think it means?" <laughs> and my friend said, "I don't think guys take their rings off to wash their hands." And I said, "Oh my God, do you think he met?" So anyway, then I called <sighs> him and said, "Oh, Greg, you left your uh, class ring here. I just want to let you know." He goes, "Oh, you can keep it." Oh, wait. So did he do it on purpose? Yeah, he did. Isn't that sweet? That is sweet. Wait, that's like the opposite of what. normally I think conversations lead to about that stuff is like, that's why (laughs) I don't know why, how many times I'm going to drop Greg Barrett's name, but he's just not that into you as such a sensation because people were like, never try to interpret a guy's actions to mean anything intentional or anything other than what it was. Uh. And in that case, it actually was like him leaving it. Mm-hmm. There and sort of wanting you to come. Yeah, I think he was a little on. shy and didn't want to make it like, here's a, my ring, let's get engaged. Listen, whatever. this is great. You can, I'm sure it's already been done, but I feel, f- I, I want you to feel free to write a book that is, he is just that into you. Okay. And it will, it will refute all <laughs> of that. And you will be like, you need to pick apart every single action that a guy does because look at all these underlying meanings. Oh, wouldn't that be awful? That giving oh my people, God. that's false hope. Giving people false hope, exactly. Yeah. Um, which kind of goes back to the idea of your book in the first place. All right, so this is the thing. Laura and I live across the street from each other. Um, didn't know that until very recently, and yet it's been about nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, but doesn't that say sad? Like, how do you feel about that in general? When you, I don't know where you live, but didn't you live sort of near here before? Because I think yeah, I, I knew in- you lived over in Beachwood right. area. Mm-hmm. I've... Please, if someone's psychotic enough to put together all the pieces of the clues that I've given, they're already standing outside our doors. so funny. I know. Um, I'm not. I need to... Whatever. It is what it is. Um, but uh, but doesn't... I like I, I do feel like I should know my neighbors. It's like a weird... Did you know your neighbors where you used to live? Yes, I loved... Oh, I, yes. And I loved my neighbors where I used to live. Uh, and... Um, but we were in a cul-de-sac and it was the three of us. And this, okay. And so, and also if you're in a cul-de-sac, yeah, your houses are sort of positioned in a way mm-hmm. that makes it possible to feel like you're in a neighborhood somehow. This neighborhood is so like, yeah, you sort of live it's next sort door of to the empty out, house, right. but you can't really see mine. My entrance is off the street. I sort of look across the street at those neighbors. I've introduced myself for the life of me. I can't remember what their name is. Mm-hmm. And then there's the house behind where like a series of famous people have bought and sold that house without me even knowing they were there. And like, I find out from my mailman later, like, Oh, did you know so-and-so was living there for a while? I'm like, what? Uh, oh, I've been I know, here for eight years. I feel like I remember dogs names and not people's names. Yeah. It's just sad. And so do you, or do you, when you're out walking, that's the other problem is that I never walk my dog at times when other people are walking their dog. Mm-hmm. So I barely see, cause that's a really good way to meet your neighbors is to find out what crazy dog they have. Oh, I know. Um, have do, do have you met anyone else in the neighborhood really here since you've been here? Uh, well, I, I actually I met my neighbor on the right 
and he seems like a really nice guy um, when it first moved in. And that, uh, that was it. And this is a kind of neighborhood where I feel like there's a neighborhood association. And so there's this attempt to cultivate and the people who lived there before you lived there were very sort of participative. And like when I first moved in, they, I think they brought me like a basket of muffins or something. Oh, that's so nice. I had that feeling of like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to know that. So I know that there are neighbors who like, I know that there's an association. They do like a big picnic every year. There's a whole thing. And I just can't, I, I know a lot of people that we both know who are showbiz people mm-hmm. who live in this area of like what our neighborhood is called and stuff. Like I know a lot of people in that way, but I just can't, I don't know. I just can't, I, that nothing is, there's no connect happening with people I don't know where it's just like, Oh, I love him. He's my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I just love him. I brought him some cookies. I just don't have that here. I think you're enough for me. I'm pleased. I, I'm pleased to know you're there. I, Cause I feel like, uh, that just anybody seeing me, first of all, I'm always in my bathrobe. And I yelling and asking a dog who's screaming. It is hard to get out of my bathroom. Oh, I know. What's your bathroom made out of? Um, gosh, I don't know. Like is it a, like that fuzzy chenille? Yes. Kind of like extremely soft? Yes, it is. That's what I have. That's not a fabric that you're meant to ever not be in. Exactly. And it's not like a Snuggie. That's like a, that's like a hot constrictive polar fleece. I'm talking about that right. chenille. The snuggies were bullshit, I think. They, they were just, they were like blankets with, without a belt. They Correct. were just really, yes, that they were was, bl- I mean, for and I'm sure. sure everybody hopped on that. For sure. I'm afraid I've never had one and um, unfortunately probably never will. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like that, that day has come and gone. But that fucking robe. Well, you know, Jana, I, I wish they were more flattering because I have to say, oh, I know it's not a flattering look. It's not like a sexy negligee silk robe. Right. Where there's you're nothing just in between. Around. Yeah, you're that's just what like, we, we have to design something in between because there's either like the frumpy, you know, comfortable thing, or there's the negligee, or there's yeah. the you know, like high heels and feathers. On your yes, shoes. exactly. But it, I had a theory oh. because I was always in my robe at the last place where, where I used to live. And my one neighbor who worked really, you know, was a hardworking woman. And um, if I was getting my mail at two o'clock in my bathroom, she'd say, are you okay? And then, you know, she'd seen me do that for two years. <laughs> and, oh, no. and it's just like, why can't a woman like, you know, be in a robe all day like Hugh Hefner? Yeah. And I actually said this to a couple of friends of mine and they said, well... You don't have his money, and Hugh Hefner doesn't have cats following him all around. <laughs> oh, the cats. And the I said, cats. okay, <laughs> that's why it doesn't look good. I'm not a billionaire, millionaire. I'm not a millionaire, hundred even thousandaire, and yeah. I'm walking around like a pig. And you're walking around like a pig. Like I'm like leading a, a life of leisure. Please, I don't think a pig would be seen in a robe. Um, <laughs> I know. Boy, I love pigs. Oh. Would you have pet pigs if oh, you could? Oh, jeez, I would. Would you? Yes, but you know... I was the, I liked them and I love how smart they are uh-huh. until I saw Deadwood and then I was like, I don't know about this pigs eating bodies kind of thing, which I'm oh, sure they God. would. Oh, God, yeah. But I mean, I guess your own dog would eat a body if... Sure, it, 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 Scott would eat your body. He would Even though you body. wouldn't even think so because hey, buddy, if you, you waited too long. But I think there was a guy who did a performance art act in New York and he had a pig. They had a big, kind of a big apartment. And the his girlfriend left him, and the pig just grew and grew, and was three hundred pounds. Oh my god! And 
uh, used to, you know, had slept with him and his girlfriend since it was a piglet, and then would sleep in bed. So then he had to go sleep on the couch and would open the fridge. And I said, that sounds horrifying. It does sound horrifying. And um, it sounds like a curse that a witch puts on you. Right. Like, and you'll be, you'll have to live with this pig instead yeah, of a person. Yeah. Um, but I, I just always thought about that. Like, you know, the big giant pigs, that would be kind of scary. Yeah. But I don't know if there's such a thing as well. Yeah, pigs there's a little stayed. tiny pig, right? Didn't George Clooney make was all the rage when he had like a tiny miniature pig? Are there teacup pigs? I think there are teacup. Oh I mean, my yeah. lord, there I, are. I think he had a little teacup pig. That's what I want. I wonder what happened to that pig. You don't hear about that pig so often anymore. Hmm. We got to get to the bottom of that stat. Suddenly, that pig is. You're incredibly knowledgeable. I, I I have no idea about. And I'm saying or this anything. was like you know what you know why because I feel like this was like 10 to 15 years ago. You were busy writing a book. I was somehow knowing about George Clooney's pig. I wouldn't even please. How can I think uh, knowing about George Clooney's pig is a lot more interesting? I love <laughs> stuff like that. I love looking. I could look at. In fact, I was looking at this thing of a of a. a I guess it was a it was a oh, some kind of seal, but it was a it was a seal pup who jumped on somebody's um, boat. Uh huh. And I could like look at that for hours and hours. Uh, um, I think it was in San Diego. It was just a. Uh, Is that something that someone sends to you, or are you sort of like browsing? No, I the wind internet? up buying it. It was a yeah. it was a sea lion pup, the cutest damn thing you've ever yeah. seen. And it jumped on this guy's little boat and was nuzzling him. And I said, good. And of course, then I have to, then yeah. he, he said, then when it was time to go, you know, he was getting, they were driving, you know, getting back um, into the port or whatever. He said, well, I, I have to go to the sea pup. And then they went to the end of the boat and went back into the water. Really? Yeah. So he just had this incredible magical experience yeah. with a sea, with a little seal pup. Yeah, it's online. And of course I think, wait a minute, maybe the sea pup didn't have a mom and maybe he yeah. uh, they needed to be with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he was saying, "Wait, you're my dad." I don't know. Yeah. It's so stupid. Cut to now and then and that becomes like a free willy type of movie starring Matthew McConaughey. I don't know why I included him in that. Um I can't sit online like that. And I, it's interesting because it sort of feeds into the same thing I was going to bring up about the bathrobe thing, which is we have weird lives. We have mm-hmm. weird lives. Right. We have weird lives. We do not have jobs that we go to exactly every day for the year with two weeks vacation. I sort of did for a hot second. These guys know that I was working for six months at HuffPost Live, which was me going into a day, uh, you know, every morning pitching stories in a bullpen and doing live coverage and conversations about news topics and stuff. And I felt like I was trying on someone else's life. I did feel smarter. Um, but it is very hard to jump back into that when you are used to, like when we do have jobs, sometimes they're extremely intensive and Mm -hmm. it's a lot of hours and it's this period of time where you're sort of looking at the end going, okay, then this ends. And then I go back to putting my bathrobe on every day. Right. But it's a very hard lifestyle to come back out of. Well, I agree. I think even the the nature of this business is that you're always looking for work. Yeah. You know, you, no matter how successful you are, you're looking for another job. Yeah. And, you know, people with steady jobs and a steady income at least have the luxury of knowing where they're going sure. to be in two years. Or sure. Two, yeah. 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 It's a very strange choice that and are we you, make. Sorry, Jenny, are you oh, up yeah. late at night? I am not really a night owl. I was. I used to be. Um... But I, I don't know what happened to me. I, I, as I started getting older, I did start wanting to go to bed. I mean, I don't go to bed at like nine, mm-hmm. but 
I don't, I do have friends and I don't know if you're like this, if that's where you're going with it is that who can sort of not even realize that it's three in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like they've just been doing something, whether they're in or out that they've just been doing something and it's three in the morning. I think I used to be like that. And then as I got older, I started noticing that I couldn't go to bed past a certain time and have my quality of sleep sure be that even if oh. i slept eight hours after like if mm-hmm. i go to sleep at 3 a.m if i sleep eight hours that i will still be tired mm-hmm. and kind of irritable as if i didn't sleep enough right then if i go to bed at like midnight and get up at like seven or eight or whatever but so when, it's like it's a certain time frame when you do sets and stuff do you find that you can fall asleep afterward or do you stay up even past yeah. Well, that's a good question. First of all, I don't do any stand-up. Oh, I've okay. never done stand-up. Oh, so never, I don't oh, I have the same kind of that like drive mm-hmm. that, that stand-ups have, which I admire so much because I'm way too lazy for that. When someone's like, oh, you got to do it like a bunch and then most of it's bad and then you mm-hmm. get good. I'm like, what? No, I need to be good right away or I'm not going to do it at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's hell. Very, very hard yeah. for me to... I mean, I just applaud people who have more patience than I do because a lot of comedians are really impatient, but they in life, but they still have somehow the drive that keeps, that carries them through that period. I just don't have that. That's one of the reasons I love doing improv is mm-hmm. because you don't have to repair anything. Uh-huh. Um, and if it goes poorly, you always have the excuse that you just made it up on the spot. So oh, no, that's no fantastic. Problem. Yeah. Um, but I will say that if I do an improv set or if I'm doing a bit on a show, cause I do a lot of, you know, if I do sketch or whatever, mm-hmm. I definitely don't come, come home and fall asleep. You're absolutely right. right. My brain is then kind of whirring and I sort of need like the hour to two hours of like, I watched some TV. I was online. I ate. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of person that's like, and I wonder that about comedians who have kids because you start oh, yeah. seeing people like pop in to do a set and then they got to get home and put their kids. Like, it just makes me wonder, does that change for you? Are you able to just crash out once you have a family? Cause you're so exhausted. Cause to you're begin so exhausted with. to right. begin with. Or do you still hold on to that sort of like the buzz after a show? Even if you, you know, don't stick around, you go straight home. Right. I don't know. I can't imagine it. it just because I feel like I do so precious little in a day. I can't imagine having to take care of another person and then go do a set and then, you know, get up early with your right. kids. And- but you, but that's what fascinates me about certain, I mean, I, writers and there are some people who do stand up who really kind of just do stand up. And mm-hmm. then there are other people who do like you who worked on shows like very well known, very applauded shows, loved shows. Um, you worked on Will and Grace for mm-hmm. years. Do you work on Two Bird Girls? I, I just do. don't. I've never watched it. It's one of those shows. Well, first of all, let me preface this and these guys know, the listeners know, I don't watch comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot escape into comedy. It stresses me out. Right. Uh, even see, I, I can certainly celebrate my friends who are on shows, mm-hmm. but I'm not watching it like disappearing into it. And that for right. me is still what I want television to be. Frankly, mm-hmm. I still like to disappear into a story. If I am watching a sitcom, it is because I have an audition for that show and I want to know what the vibe is, mm-hmm. or I have a friend and I want to like tell them they were great on it mm-hmm. or, uh, I mean, those are really the only reasons at this well, point. Because I'm probably not just going to lose myself and go like, I'm so into the characters and oh, all yeah. that. I've never seen anything that I've written on. Never so once. You, I mean, because it's sort of... I won't watch anything I'm not in. So I, I don't great. watch any TV. <laughs> ah! No, I, yeah, I just rarely I watch, do. I think I watch movies and dramas because mm-hmm. they don't feel like they have any tie to like any professional responsibility on my oh, part. I know. It, I, I, I agree. I feel like... It matters to have an escape. I'm so 
And you know, I haven't seen this season because somebody spoiled something for me about um, Game of Thrones, uh-huh. making me think somebody that I was in love with on the show might not be on there. Oh. So I can't even. I'm, I'm, You've thrown some real curveballs on that show. Yeah. That's so for sure. I, what I, I have to do, I think, is start from the beginning. I see. I I always think, oh, I should read the books, so then I wouldn't be so disappointed. Yeah. You know. I I thought that about Game of Thrones. I was just talking about this with someone, maybe on the podcast, that I thought that I would feel that way about Game of Thrones. So I read the book when I knew that I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to read the book first. Is there just one book? To. No, there's definitely yeah, more there's than like one. Yeah, there's like a series, But here's right? where I'm going with okay, this. Okay, sorry. Is it, no, no, no. But uh-huh. like, um, so I was, so someone told me that. Like, oh, but the book, it'll never be as good as the book. So this is pre-series coming out. So I was like, real quick, I'm going to read Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. as many people did. And I read it and I was like, I don't think that you're miss. I don't think, I mean, believe me, I will be first in line with many a book saying mm-hmm. I, you know, you can't ever read the book if you've seen the movie because you'll hate the movie for, if you, if you like the movie, right. you will come to hate the movie because the book is so much better or they never should have made a movie. I mean, I'll do all of that like pompous shit where mm-hmm. I pretend like they never should make books, from, movies from books. Sometimes that's not even true. Sometimes the movies are better, but um, I feel that way about the Bible absolutely all of the movies are better oh, so i just started so trying good. to read it i can't get through did it. you really did you have to read it when you were a kid i went i had to go to mormon church with my mom when i was oh. a kid um, that was part of the custody agreement and so i did have to read some of the bible wait where are you from i did have to read Janet. arizona oh okay i did have to read some of the book of mormon i can't really remember any of it uh-huh. and i don't it wasn't like i was i mean i was really phoning it in wow so i don't really remember almost anything from mm-hmm. any of it other than the same stories that like people talk about like how long it took to create the earth and stuff Jeez. So beyond that, that i'm hopeless was the was your mother's faith part of um the reason for the divorce if that's not too awful for me uh, to ask no, that's a fair question I, I don't know how much i've talked about that on the podcast but um i definitely think like my dad converted to mormonism Oh. for my mom mm-hmm. because it was really important to her that she marry a Mormon. And I think he was like, how, how big of a deal can it be? It was a big deal. It's a big deal. They there's, it's a very social culture. Right. And there's, and she a, said, where are my wife's sisters? And she was like, and by or the where way, are where are all my sister wives? Yeah. Sister wives, right. Um, wife's sisters. Uh, they, so I, for sure, I, it's amazing that they made it work for as long as they did to have me because mm-hmm. that, that was a big part of her life. And my dad, was like you know he drank and he was an atheist and but he just thought he was in love with my mom so he was like i really want to make this work Mm -hmm. if this is important to her and and it's sort of like the check in the box Mm -hmm. that's gonna like put this thing through then i'll do it and then it turns out like no it's a big deal it's a big deal you have there are like a lot of expectations placed upon you by the mormon church and if you're not into it that can cause a huge rift so i do think that was a big part of it um but I'm also like the kid who never really saw her parents together. So oh, I'm also okay. the kid that's like, honestly, I can't imagine them together anyway. Oh, okay. Regardless of the Mormonism. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say. But you're trying to read the Bible now? Just yes. like as a sort of exercise in, can it, this be done? Yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I mean, I don't even know why. I just, I've, I've tried several times before and I, I think maybe I'm on the right medication to read the Bible to get through it. <laughs> That sounds like alcohol, maybe, is the way to maybe, go. With the, maybe, with the way to get through. Um, okay, here's what I want to do for this portion of the podcast. Um, this is sort of interesting. 
Uh, this is something that I've never done on the podcast, even though Lucy Davis and I did it together offline when I podcasted her a few months ago. She had an exercise that she has used in like, it's more like an exercise in therapy kind of, Mm -hmm. but it's one of those fun sort of interesting, um, games where you're sort of supposed to like figure out about yourself or something. Sure. Um, so maybe we'll do this. It might be kind of fun. You don't have to tell me um, what you're imagining until mm-hmm. like after the fact or, okay. or you can, or, or maybe it's more fun for you to describe it. Like, as Oh Jesus, Jan, just, just throw me in the closet Listen, already. I don't know. And what's then going and put on. the blades through. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Well, this is, so this is what it is. Okay. okay. First, I want you to picture a, and maybe you've done this already. First, I want you to picture a desert. Okay. What does that desert look like? It's uh, sandy, mm-hmm. like a, a light brown. Are there any plants in it? Are you just picturing, is there just, just barren? Is, yeah. Okay. Um, Wait, is this going to wind up being my snooch? <laughs> it is a little bit like that, but it's not that. But it is one of those, like, this is going to okay, mean something else. Now I want you to picture, is, it, is, it, is, there, is the sun shining? Is it a comfortable desert? Like, is it, how does it feel to you? Now, now you now you know it means something. So you no, you're so cute. No, no, no. I, all I could see, all I could picture, really, I was like just Lawrence thinking of, Arabia, of the color kind of. and no? like sand and okay. it being sandy. I wasn't even thinking. I, I wasn't picturing anything about whether it was hot or cold okay. or anything. Yeah. Okay. Let me say this. The reason I ask is that when I was asked to picture a desert, I'm from the desert, so I huh? just pictured the desert I'm from, which is actually has a lot of like chaparral and like cactus and stuff. So oh. Was, so anyway, I see. Yeah. Um, now picture a cube. Mm-hmm. a cube mm-hmm. it can look like anything it just mm-hmm. it can be any it can be anything it can have color it can be solid it can be transparent um is there anything inside it like just all that kind of stuff like what pops into your head the first thing was a rubik's cube oh like that i like that very much okay um again none of this means anything so <laughs> you're <laughs> I mean, so cute i know I, where it's fine. gonna come out okay um okay then i want you to picture a ladder mm-hmm what does the ladder look like? What is it made out of? Is it standing in the middle of nothing? Is it leaning on something? Um, how tall is it? Ah, well, I think it's, I, I've instantly thought of a red wooden ladder against a bunk bed mm. or bunk beds. Um, I love that. Oh, this is great. Like, that so that seems like really childlike or, love it. or whatever. That's it. That's okay. All. That's that a beautiful was, one. That's the first thing I could think okay, of. Okay. Now I want you to picture a horse. Yeah. What kind of horse? Is it tame? Is it not tame? Is it, What are the colors? Where do you see the horse? Well, all I can think of is chestnut from the, from the show. Um, so like a kind of a, a goldeny uh, brown with uh, a mane. Ch- what show are you referring to? Oh, I'm to? sorry. Two Broke Girls, There's a Horse. Oh, I'm sorry. okay. That's, it's funny. I was no, talking no, no. about the horse this morning. Oh, that's funny. Because this friend of mine who owns a, or her parents own some, a horse farm, we're saying, well, you know, that, that horse is called chestnut, but it's a bay, and bays aren't that color. And I, was, and I was just listening to all these things about that, so that was already in my head. Kind you had of. to deal with, like, wow, even on a show like Two Broke Girls, you have to deal with people saying, like, and usually that's like, um, Doctor Who, in the Doctor would never travel to uh, Dimension 5, <laughs> because, and, like, that's where you're right. used to having, and on the cartoon, I'm on, it's the same thing. People are like, did you not realize that it's not possible to bend metal when da-da-da, because there's, like, this oh, whole universe that's created around it. It makes me laugh that you would be on 
on like a, a like a funny a very, quirky sitcom yeah. and still people are like right. listen that's not accurate that's not good fact right. reporting kind of yeah, thing i think yeah it's okay funny. so is chestnut a nice horse oh very sweet okay this is great um and then i want you to picture a storm what is the storm like how does it make you feel what's coming up for you uh um i just um was thinking um just now just it's uh gray and it's and it's pouring but i i guess i sort of like that i like rain yeah uh, are you out in it or are you looking at it from um, the outside i mean from the inside like looking out into the you know i guess I, yeah it would be from the inside looking out at it okay and just how it, the way it looks under the street lights like hitting the street yeah oh i like that okay so that's the end of the exercise now i'm going to tell you this is and lucy davis did this to me i wish that we would have recorded it but it was something that we were just chatting about after the fact and as you know i can't stand not airing everything you're so i you know can't what this stand re- to have a private moment that's so damn funny you know um Frank Conniff had a really funny bit. I love he just, Frank. I do too. And he uh, said, does anybody remember when you could go to a friend's house and they didn't turn on a, a thing for a podcast? <laughs> no. To just no sit one in the can living? remember that. <laughs> no one can remember that. Thank God performers don't want it any other way. Right. Uh, that reminds me, guys. Listen, this is a perfect opportunity for me to promote. We are bringing the... Uh, Cinematic Titanic Farewell Tour to San Francisco. It's a it's a it's not during Sketchfest, so it's in October. It's October nineteenth, Saturday. Um, they are not going to be touring anymore. So Frank will be there. Joel will be there. Uh, Trace, Mary Jo, um, Dave Gruber, Allen, um, Jay Elvis Weinstein. Um, so that was really fun. You just I never uh, promote really hardly anything on the show. So it was oh, very is it fun their to last because like, it's their farewell tour. They're not going to be touring anymore. Okay. So they're doing. We've got them doing two horrible movies. Oh, fantastic. So you know what they are? That's before. secret? No, one oh. of them's The Astral Factor and one of them's The Doll Squad. And they both just sound... The Doll Squad? The Doll Squad. Jeez, I love that title. I mean, That's they're both great. Like killer. Okay, The Desert is how you perceive your life. Wow. So is it, uh, if it's this sort of placid, calm... My life is life, barren. Your life is barren. You, you, well, listen, you don't have Which kids. is what I've said. <laughs> let's just deal with that right now. All right. Um, the cube is how you see yourself, which I love because a, cu- a Rubik's Cube is so complicated and it's bright and it's colorful. Mm. It's like a puzzle. Oh, I love that too. That's why I was like, ooh. Because I think when I said mine, I described it as like a prism mm-hmm. where like this light shines through it because I was thinking of clear glass and how like the rainbow ref- retracts. And she uh-huh. was like, oh, that's so hippy dippy. Like when I found out what it was, I was like, oh, I think I'm a prism. No, well, that's uh, really nice i like the light that's really cool the ladder i love this is how you see your friends which makes so much sense because bunk beds in and of themselves are. and i have slept with all of my friends and you've had sex with every (laughs) single one of your platonic and non-platonic friends oh i love that i love that the ladder immediately already like just completely relates to the idea of friendships like a bunk bed you automatically think of more than like you think of a friend coming over Mm -hmm. i'm very intrigued by that especially from an only child um the horse is how you see your the partner in your life and what i think is interesting about that is i like that you that the horse you thought of was you know gentle and attractive and all that but i think it's really interesting that you thought of a horse from your work Mm -hmm. because if you're i don't know if you're single right now but if you're single it's almost like well i'm married to my work right now you know what's pretty damn funny janet what i didn't say but i was thinking of saying was except for the long balls (laughs) 
<laughs> but I suppose at this point, I would get that too. You probably would. It really depends on how young you go. The beautiful, long, dangling balls. Oh, my God. Um, and then the storm is how you perceive difficulties. So you had a positive association with a storm, like this idea of sort of sitting at city. You're not necessarily out in the maelstrom. You're sitting mm-hmm. inside, but you like the way it looks. You like the, you're sort of inside looking at the rain so that there's a sense uh, there's essentially, I think if I'm interpreting what Lucy would have said is that you perceive your difficulties as manageable and that it's not something that you're like afraid of. Oh, I like that. I mean, yeah. I, I I'm was going to charge you $250. You should, podcast. because I would uh, gladly pay it. <laughs> I, you know, talked to psychics, and uh, one of the, the big expenses, uh, when I lost my cat at the at my old house, I mm-hmm. paid for a cat psychic to come out. Oh. And it so was, lost, like, your cat died or your cat got lost? Got lost. Oh, okay. And, um, and I blame my ex-boyfriend, uh, my ex-ex-boyfriend, because he left a window open and then we went to this dinner party and i said ah you know i would rather wait and keep looking and he said well we'll we'll be gone for an hour and he always you know he's always comes back anyway so then anyway we didn't come but i paid this cat psychic and we stood between my house and the neighbor's house and we held hands and closed and you know she said close your eyes and i was like this is so crazy okay so i'm holding this strange woman's hands we both have our eyes closed and then I hear this. <laughs> and I look over at her and she says, I'm sorry. Every time I see your cat, he's humping a rabbit. What? Yes. And that's exactly what I said, Janet. I said, you know, what? what? She said, well, I just see him. He's with a, a rabbit who's, um, she's a black and white rabbit. And, and I said, well, I have another cat that's black and white. And she said, no. And he's embarrassed to, and I said, look, this already doesn't sound like my cat. <laughs> he would never be embarrassed of an interspecies okay, okay. relationships, uh. relationship and knows that I wouldn't. Uh. He goes, no, he's embarrassed to um, bring her home. So he goes over. And I, t- I thought, Jesus, and that was $300. And then she said, just leave out, um, you know, cat food dry cat food and lettuce and um you know he'll come back and i did and he didn't okay god i'm so relieved that the end of that story wasn't that he showed up with a black and white rabbit oh jesus i would have loved that the foundation of everything i believe to be true right Oh, you scared the shit out of me. So anyway, the point is I owe you money for this because <laughs> that was what we just more did was so much more interesting. And yes. And well, I, this is the final thing that we okay. do. Okay. And that's to play a game of mash. Okay. I don't know if you remember this game or if it's been a while since you played it, but M-A-S-H, that stands for mansion, apartment, shack, or house. Oh, I've never played this. Okay. Well, this is something that I'm very excited to bring into your life. The idea is at, at the end of this... I'm going to like draw a spiral and you won't see how many sort of, and then I, I'll be like, tell me when to stop. And then I'll be like, I'll count the rings of the spiral. Uh-huh. And then by process of elimination, I'll be like one, two, three, four, cross out. And you'll give me three items per category that I'm going to give you. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like what I'll say, what I would say to start is this is a, the most conventional traditional way that, that young people would play mash when I was growing up was uh, the most conventional start is give me three celebrity crushes. Uh-huh. And one of those, by process of elimination, will end up being your future boyfriend or your future one-night stand or whatever kind of you would want it to be. Okay. So it could be 
guys that the high school you would have loved like oh my god i had such a huge crush on like whoever one of the uh-huh. bgs listen i'm not calling out your age at all someone just recently told me they had a huge crush on one of the bgs um or kurt cameron or mm-hmm. you know whoever um or it can be like you know people that you just have a little yen for now that you're like oh i just i just love even if it's a talent crush or something like that oh okay um so three mm-hmm. i have always uh had a crush on Donald Sutherland. Love it. I've always thought he was very sexy and I get it. He, he was so good in this uh movie Eye of the Needle about World War II. I don't think many people know about. Oh, I don't know about oh, it. Oh, it's really it fascinating. I do love him. And um let's see. And of course, I feel like this is so typical Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's the he's the hottie right now. And This is good cuz you're representing different eras. Oh, good. Um but a mad crush on Samuel L. Jackson. Ever oh, since Pulp Fiction, I just yeah. think he is so damn funny and sexy yeah. and handsome. He's great. And I actually saw him in this, uh, oh, God, what was it? Oh, it was a, uh, I guess a mid-century modern sort of furniture store. And he had this aura, like, you know, like yeah. famous people. He was just like, wow, you know. Anyway, sir. It is. It does make you wonder with some people like that, like how much of that is what am I trying to say? How much of that comes from your perception of him because you recognize him? Mm-hmm. How much of it comes from his fame and his own understanding of how famous he is? Uh. And how much of that is charisma that he would have had anyway that right. is part of what made him pop and become famous? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, so I know. in that. Yeah. I mean, because I think, I, you know, I've met people who are famous that don't have that, whatever that quality yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And it doesn't matter. They could be wildly famous, but mm-hmm. they don't have that sort of aura. I completely yeah. agree. I'm so, yeah. We'll never, we'll never know unless we devote our lives to that science, which may or may not be a science. You could ask the pet psychic. Yes. Jeez. Humping a black and white rabbit is Oof. kind of extraordinary. It's like At least de- make it seem realistic. Desecrating my memory. I know. She, that's, you know what? That story tells me that she probably really thinks she's the real thing. Because I don't think anyone fake would make up that absurd of a story. Exactly. Unless they actually thought that that's what they were seeing. That's why I bought it so fully. Because oh I thought, God. ugh. <laughs> you know. That has to be, you know. That's terrible. All right. I mean, and- plus, you know, of course he was neutered. And so I just thought. Why would he even have the instinct to? Right. Have you? Let me let me ask you this. Category two, um, lost animals you wish you could get back, whether from the dead, mm-hmm. not pet cemetery style, or uh, that just disappeared and you don't know what happened to them. Oh my, uh, Curtis Curtus would be. I feel like he'd be all three. Oh yeah. That's what hurts the most. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm gonna put. I'm down three times. Is that crazy, or should I think of somebody else? No, it's okay. Another animal. I think it's oh, wait, and I had another, uh, a long time ago, uh, Cliff, an orange cat. Okay. I've got Curtis twice, and I've got Cliff. Okay. Um, what about, are there three things, we talked about the comfort of a bathrobe. Mm-hmm. Are there three things that look really good but are uncomfortable that you wish were as comfortable as that bathrobe? Like, you aesthetically like them so much that God wouldn't be awesome if they were as comfortable as the bathrobe. You mean to wear? Mm -hmm. Oh, heels. I love wearing heels. Mm -hmm. I love wearing platforms. Uh, Like, I sort of wish... 
there are just some there are some clothes that I'm sad that people don't wear anymore. Mm-hmm. But I know part of it would be that it would just be so incredibly like they're just like too constrictive. Or, Ooh, like what? Like a, like a 50s style dress where it's like really all about having that tiny waist. Oh, or, right. I don't know, like a corset, like cor- yeah. like well, like what if corsets were actually comfortable? Which oh, I is know. so evil because then you get down the road of like that. It just feels like you're being anti-feminist for some reason. But listen, I'm feminist and lazy enough that I don't wear any of that stuff because right. I would rather be wearing pajamas. I guess. I love that. That I love 40s and 70s styles though because of the fitted waists and yeah. the and I and I like the I don't know eight. I guess they're. Like a line pants that are yeah. kind of flirted and whatever, yeah, and bell sort bottoms. Yeah, Hepburn, like trim waist, yeah, sort of flowering pants. Um, I'm gonna put that down just because I like the idea of you being able to wear pet Hepburn pants comfortably whenever you want. Not to say that they're not comfortable. I'm changing the um, I'm changing the category as I go, I'm warping it. I guess a leash. Interesting. <laughs> Love it because you can't wear those loosely. You can't, and you, you can't. Not only can you not wear it loosely, but you can't even wear hard. them now because it's more of an eighties, like it's a hard. big. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to wear them without incurring some sort of judgment from people. Now, oh, I don't even mean a leash. I mean a collar. Like a collar. I guess I knew that that's what you meant. But okay, got it. Love it. What about uh, three places where you would have a vacation home? Oh, uh, gosh, I was in Thailand and I, I love that in this place called um I, I think I'd like to have a, a place in Phuket. Okay. And um hmm. I'm so pleased that I actually know how to spell that. And because I'm so crazy about Portland right now, Portland. Oh, Portland, Oregon. Yes. Love it. Couldn't love it more. Yeah. Love it so I think much. I would really I keep saying this. I think I might end up living there. I want to move there, I think. Yeah. Um Oh, and um, you know, I really liked. Um, it would be amazing, I think, to have a a, a place in um, County Cork in Ireland. Oh, I've never been to Ireland. It's on the list. Oh boy, you would love I it. It's beautiful. Really You'd be go. embraced because you have the amazing coloring of the uh, people there. I would. I have a lot of. It's, I'm Irish and Scottish. Yeah, French, Varney and French. Yeah, Varney's actually. What's weird is Varney's actually French. It got anglicized, so uh-huh. it's Vernay, but they flip oh. the A and the E. But on my mom's side, Malone. Wow. On side of the family, Malone, and then her mom, Sim, which is very Scottish. So Jeez. That's all super, super Scottish. Can't wait to do that. Love this idea of visiting you in County Cork. Um, what about uh, three types of like a, just a weird power that you could have? It does, I guess it could be supernatural, but could also just be like really being good at something or um you know it could be any it could be supernatural it could just be like you could fly or you could read minds or you could just always have an orgasm when you wanted to no matter what or you know it could be anything just three things that that fall into the category of like oh i wish i could do that hmm Jeez, what uh with the understanding this is all off the cuff so no one's saying like what she can't Why even didn't you think have something of a power? Yeah. Um, oh wow. Uh, what would be a good one? 
You know, I've always been kind of curious about, um, and this is morbid, I, uh, forensic entomology. So I guess I wouldn't mind like have I wouldn't mind having the power to burrow underground and see what's under there. That's so cool. That's so specific and great. I love that. Um, and that's really cool. And of course, I, and I'd love to. I'd love to have the power to go way back in time. Yeah, and see you know dinosaurs and stuff. Uh, time travel. Mm-hmm. Love it. And I'd love, I think I'd love to be able to quickly read people's minds like on meetings and stuff if I know, okay, this is going to be bullshit. Ah, I'm being yeah. bullshit and that I could just like saying, ah, okay. Like that while people are talking and yeah. saying, oh, we love them. If I could see or hear what they're I really like saying because it's very business specific so it's it's not necessarily that you want to be able to have access to people's private thoughts right. like about you because that seems dangerous right. but this idea of like the sort of quick easy like you know takeout version where yeah you're just exactly sort of like listen I, I know this is a waste of time or i know that they're really responding to this so it's, right. it's work related i really like that i mean too yeah th- i mean i also think because so much of this business is waiting and you can never really I mean, I've left so many meetings where I thought, oh, I sold that. I know. And then it's just like, oh, no, like I'm stunned when things don't happen. And it could be as simple as like, and then they went and had a really shitty lunch with someone else and that killed your thing. Oh, jeez. Oh, I know. It's so arbitrary because it's still just human beings. Right. Human beings. Um, Okay. How about, uh, let me think about this with you. What about three historical figures it could be as simple as an author you've always liked or like a musician. It doesn't have to, it could be someone from now could be, it really could be anyone. Three people that you just wish was like a dear friend of yours. Oh, wow. Um, I think Wagner would have been neat to know if he was very, you know, stormy. I mean, is is that, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Isn't it? Wagner. Wagner. Yeah. Yeah, Wagner. Okay. Uh, and, um, Oh, I, you know, I would have liked to have known Anne Sexton. Yeah. Oh, God. I love her writing. She's extraordinary. Yeah. And um, that's a great one. Hmm. You know, this is the, and, and Peter Sellers. Oh, absolutely. Now, what do you think about this idea that maybe he wasn't such a great guy? I guess. Oh, he, I've he heard that he wasn't. Out. You'd find out for yourself. I met his ex wife, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So you could be like, there's something about the idea of being like the person that is beloved by someone that is mm-hmm. kind of a dick to everyone. Right. That there is, I mean, I would even like, like to so see special. him being a dick because that's yeah. all I've heard. I would just yeah. would be curious to see him yeah. or meet him. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, what about if you could... I never plan this stuff in advance, so I'm just thinking off of what we talked about during the podcast. What about three careers Mm -hmm. without you having really any sense of like the the humdrum part of it or the difficult part of it like Mm -hmm. just in a fantasy world what always sort of sounded like maybe i would enjoy that without Mm -hmm. you know it's like you want to be a pastry chef i'm not saying like you have to get up at 4 a.m every day unless that sounds appealing but just sort Mm -hmm. of like the lighter side of like three careers that would be like maybe it'd be fun to try this out i think when i was a kid i always wanted to be an astronaut Mm -hmm. love it (sighs) and lately i Oh, maybe just because of crime shows and stuff. I think uh, forensic entomology is interesting. 
you have a double whammy chance to become a forensic entomologist, either as a kind of a superpower or as a legit. Right. I, I think I, I was born to be dead, maybe. Isn't that weird that you, because you, when you emailed me today, I was like, oh, we were just joking about something. And I was like, oh, would you, I would just want to sit on the couch and watch BBC like forensic dramas all day. Oh, right. That's I actually, right. because I also, because watching BBC shows makes me feel even more escaped because I really don't know anyone on those shows. Mm-hmm. So I get to enjoy like, really disappearing into it oh i know and, and, I, I think, and i'm such and i get really locked into these like weird sort of like another child was killed we're examining her body <laughs> i know well, BBC why am i America watching this great this is so I dark love, i love that channel have you seen copper it just came oh yeah i've seen copper i saw the first season i think the second season is coming right out. what do you think of it i haven't seen it yet it's 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 pretty good um it's okay i'm trying mm-hmm. to think of like a version of something i like more because when i was watching it i was like i feel like this is like a watered down version of of a show that i like more that's sort of oh, set in the past okay that, i mean i don't know but it, it's it's it has some deadwood qualities to it mm-hmm. that's what i was thinking i think i was thinking like this is sort of deadwood meets you know, I'm trying to think of like Deadwood meets like NYPD Blue or something, oh, okay. where you're sort of like. Wah! But um, you but know, it's did fun. you ever get it's hooked fun. into Downton Abbey? Oh yeah, I mean for sure. I you know I have a hard time with those kind of shows because yeah. I just think the the repressed uh, feelings, and I just want to say, oh please, somebody fuck the butler, somebody please. Oh just I fuck. know, I know. I can't like I feel I like I can't that. take it. Or I understand the maid, that. Fuck but, that's, somebody. but for the same reason, that's one of the reasons that I love Sense and Sensibility as a film uh-huh. because I feel like Emma Thompson is constantly sort of putting that in front of you, uh-huh. where it really is like, can you believe nobody could say what they really felt? Oh, I know like, that. There's so this true. sort of awareness to it. I will say though, if you are interested, I rewatched right after Downton Abbey first aired. I think maybe even before it aired here, because you know, like BBC nerds like got it before it came out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I need to revisit Gosford Park, which is the Robert Altman directed, right. written by the same person as Gosford ah. Park, and it's a very. It almost feels like, oh, this is where he got the idea because it's this murder mystery that's mm-hmm. kind of a comedy. So it doesn't have the same sort of like gravitas oh, of of, yeah. of Downton Abbey, right. um, and it has mystery to it, mm-hmm. and it's this sort of classic like Agatha Christie esque who done it, but the but it takes place around the same time, and there is that whole thing of like the servants versus the um, the like pompous rich people mm-hmm. and like that dynamic, and it's it's a really great movie. I recommend that you guys see it. Okay. I need one more career. Uh, Lust we forget. Please say dog psychic. Pet psychic. Oh, can you... Uh, oh. I always appreciate when people really put time and effort into thinking about it. I am. Because this could really matter. Somebody might hear your podcast and say, Laura... I've got a career for you. Come with me. We were going to give you a job at, doing yeah. this. Um, as an astronaut, mm-hmm. Laura, <laughs> great. There needs to be a comic in space. Nobody knows why, and it, you've been chosen. Yep. Um, an heiress isn't really a career. Is oh, it? I love it. I'm putting it down. Have I'm putting you, it down because I think that um, it was Paget Brewster who gave one of my favorite answers, which was, I think she said an heiress and she said a bon vivant as two different things. Oh, how cute. Which I thought was lovely. I'm ha- totally on board for that. Did you get hooked into, did you ever see the uh, original Singing Detective? 
You know what? With Michael Gambon. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of um, the... Oh, man. I'm thinking of something else. No, I didn't. And I want to. I will give it to you. I'll okay, bring it good, over. Because I love Michael Gambon. Oh, it my was gosh. Pennies from Heaven. That's what I was thinking of. Uh-huh. And I couldn't get into original Pennies from Heaven. It was so sad. Oh, I've it never made seen me it. So sad. I love Bob the soundtrack. Hoskins. Yeah, it's Bob Hoskins. And it's just it just made me so sad. I couldn't watch it. But hmm. I'm very excited about Singing Detective. Um, okay, final category for Laura. Final category for Laura. This is tough. This is tough for me. Um... What about, I'm really struggling with this last one. What about, I want it to be like super special instead of one of the, the traditional ones, but I can't, I'm, I'm having trouble thinking of what it could be. What about if you were responsible for a work of either art or architecture, like something you really admire, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, that was me. Like Michelangelo's David. Mm-hmm. Actually, that was me. Oh, uh, well, there's a phrase that I always think is incredible, and I keep trying to fix this in my act, and I'd, I'd love to be the person that thought of yeah. um, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Oh. Because then he's got, brilliant. I mean, it's an out for everything. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's the best. I'm so glad that I was able to get that answer from you by coming up with that question. Okay, so you're responsible for that saying, or you're responsible for... Um, uh, uh, humane treatment of animal, like a, of some, yeah, someone who started the, yeah, you know, sort of like um, Temple Grandin, Graydon, yeah. yeah, like like that type of person. That's, I love that answer. Okay, that's great. And then one more. Uh, I was trying to think of what's an amazing. I mean, it could even be. I think Padgett said, like the inventor of the sandwich. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I'm just quoting. Now I, now I have Paget on the mind. I, I guess um, I, I wouldn't mind being, you know, whomever, like a, someone who invented a lab for um, chemicals like Lexapro, like whoever makes antidepressants. Oh, antidepressants. I always, I've always thought that if I ever won an award for anything, I would thank the ma- the makers of Lexapro and Dexedrine. Oh, this is so this I can is get out of very, bed. Very, very, very good. Okay, um, tell me when to stop. How about now? Sounds good. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, six is a common one. It turns out that I. It's interesting that six is a usual spiral. You know what's so um, funny? I thought you meant stop asking questions. Oh. <laughs> How about right now? Um, <laughs> Wait, can we do it? Can I? Answer. Can I? Uh, is it now that oh, I ruin it? Because I didn't know what you were asking. No, I think it's I would like the, that the way. swirls to go for a bit. No, they're at six. I, I, it, that, that's the universe telling us. It's your a cat humping uh, a rabbit telling us that we have okay. to do it this way. Okay. I'm here's what's going to happen. I'm going to count these up. Process of elimination. But I'm also going to pee because I really need to. Okay, when we great. come back. We'll reveal your future. This is the most fun I've ever had. On oh my podcast. god, I'm really happy to hear that, uh, Laura. I'm not unpleased with the outcome of this mash game. I feel quite good about it. Um, Thank you, Doctor Varney. A lot of it, um, a lot of it, sort of worked out with itself. I think it will come as no surprise to you since you had a one in three chance that you got Curtis back. Mm-hmm. So Curtis is back in your life. 
I'm going to go ahead and say he's an immortal cat, so he's also never going to perish. So congratulations okay. on that. You Great. have that cat back. Um, other small successes, I want you to feel free to wear platforms as often as you want because it's going to be discomfort-free. Okay. Interesting. Will be a pleasure. Um, then I want to let you know that uh, this is where it starts getting kind of fabulous. Number one, you have a vacation home in Phuket, Thailand. Great. So that's kind of wonderful. Uh, perhaps you paid for that vacation home, which, by the way, is a mansion, uh, because you're an heiress. Yay! You don't have to do jack. I you love can this. just be a moneyed woman with a uh, beautiful vacation home that is a mansion uh, that you can hang out with Curtis. You can travel with Curtis. You can be the eccentric lady who travels with Curtis mm-hmm, everywhere mm-hmm. you go. Um, this is going to come in handy if you... I mean, this is the thing. At this point, your other career uh, like it would, would be a, just something that you would do for fun. So if you decide you want to continue writing, mm-hmm. rest assured you wouldn't be doing it for the money. Rest assured you could walk into a meeting and know like that if it was going to be a waste of time, mm-hmm. if people were serious about your ideas. Great. You have that ability. So congratulations on that power. Thanks. Um, I also want to congratulate you on your dear friend, Wagner, oh. the composer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very highfalutin. And it makes sense to me. Like, oh, she's an heiress. She's got her second place in Thailand. By the way, Wagner probably wrote an opera about her. Oh. Mm-hmm. And you're sharing all of this with Donald Sutherland. Oh, so it I is know. perfect because he seems sort of refined. Like and he you would can know ask yourself. Yeah. Oh, right. no, it makes sense too. It's like, of course you could, you can't, you see yourself six degrees, six degrees of separation, dining room party style, mm-hmm. having a conversation with your husband, a oh. very distinguished Donald Sutherland. Who's like, well, the first opera that Wagner wrote about Laura was, <laughs> I see all of this. Oh, I, oh, it'd be fantastic. And if you're wondering how can this all come together, you can turn to your own words. I don't know, but the Lord works in mysterious ways. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so that is kind of a beautiful future. Now I owe you another uh, $200. Yeah. For this well, now I know you can afford it because you're an heiress, frankly. Right. So this is good stuff. Oh. Um, that concludes the podcast, Laura. What Thank a joy. Thank you so much. I Thank had a blast. So I appreciate it. doing it. I'm so Thank glad you. that you were able to just... Uh, you were joking that you were going to take a cab over here, but I, I can know. assume that you probably jetpacked. I did. I Great. did. Great. I did. And I was about to ask you to come by if you're ever in the neighborhood and you might and be. I, and and what, well, we can both have our bathrooms on. I have? Oh, I just, I'm, I probably won't be in the neighborhood. <laughs> I, know. I won't, you won't be. You're wow, going to, you'll be really? in Vancouver. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, guys, I guess I, I'll say this in the intro too, but I'm about to be in Vancouver for a few weeks. So I'm pre-recording some episodes, uh, and I'll pre-record some intros. So you guys have a little something to keep you entertained while I'm gone. Heavens knows. I don't want you to go completely nuts because you don't have the JV <laughs> club, uh, in your day to day. I'm speaking to all five of you listeners and, um, Hey, and, you know uh, what, by the way, you have more than five listeners uh i was uh talking to kelly anakin and she said she loves the podcast oh that's i mean so loves cool. the sketch fest and um oh, is a big fan so of yours nice oh my gosh i had no idea yeah i guess i should ask you to the podcast mm-hmm. um laura thank you so much i'll thank see you, you across the street <laughs> okay thanks Hey, remember
as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.